Welcome to Iskenderan. The director of the Museum of Antiquities has sent a car for you. Oh, your servant, sir. And I am his. Follow me, please. My reputation precedes me. There is no museum in Iskenderan. Papers, please. Papers? Of course. <laughs> Run. Yes. Papers, I've yeah. got it here. <laughs> Just finished reading it myself. <laughs> Run. Uh, yes. Yeah. Egyptian mail. Morning edition. Uh, uh, Run. Did you say... Uh, to my bleeding ears this is episode number 36 uh today we got a lot to talk about <clears throat> uh my name's larry your host as usual and with me today jesselyn hello uh we saw a few things uh, mostly you saw a few things i yeah, pretty much well, didn't see as much as you did but uh you know we were busy last week i guess maybe sure yeah we were real busy we binge watched what we're going to talk about first, exactly so yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> But yeah, it has. We haven't been in the movies in a little while. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll hopefully get there pretty soon with the new Jurassic Park coming out. Uh, we haven't seen the Han Solo movie yet, nope. but there's just going to be a, a shit ton of movies coming out. And plus, we are going to the Cinepocalypse 2018 here in Chicago. Yes, we have a week long uh, movie marathon going on there, where uh, a bunch of new movies are coming out in like the cult and horror and action genre. Movies from Russia, Canada, and United States. We got a, a, a Monster Squad documentary. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely one I'm hyped up to see. And then there's the 30th anniversary of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Right. The directors will be there. The director from uh, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight's going to be there. Awesome. Hopefully Billy Zane will show up. I doubt it. But that would be amazing. <laughs> I would freak out and probably get arrested. Did, so, you do know. you think you'd grab him like you grabbed Patrick Stewart I that one time? I definitely would. <laughs> and I don't know if Billy Zane would be as cool about it. Oh, he would. <laughs> Patrick Stewart was. He'd be like, if you give me what I want. And then you just turn to pudding. And I would. You'd have to give me a pass. Sorry, a hall pass. <laughs> no, I if would. If Billy Zane shows up. Oh, well, if Ava Green was ever at one of these things, I would want a hall pass too. So. No. I can't have a hall pass for Ava no. Green? Mm -mm. No hall passes for you, only me. Anyway. No. Yeah, we'll see when Christian Bale one of these days. <laughs> Definitely would get arrested. So, but yeah, if you're in the Chicago area, it looks really cool. Yeah, there's a. Yeah, the, the directors from Turbo Kid is premiering their movie there. Mm hmm. Summer of um, 84. I believe is the name of it. We just rewatched Turbo Kid. Which we love, of course. It's better and better every time. Every time I see it. <laughs> uh, first on the chopping block today, we have the Santa Clarita Diet, uh, season, season two. two. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you think of the second season as compared to the first? You know, I kept putting off the second season because I liked the first season just fine. Right. I didn't think it was fantastic, so I wasn't, like, chomping at the bit to see the second right, season. Right, we weren't, but but we did kind of binge the first season, we too. We did. It's not a long season, and they're, what, 29-minute episodes? Yeah. yeah, 10 episodes, 29 minutes, mm -hmm. not very, not a, not a big season, which it shouldn't have to be. 
Um, it really finds itself, yes. I think, in the second <clears throat> season. It's laugh out loud funny. Drew Barrymore and Timothy Oliphant totally hit their uh, their stride in this one. They mm-hmm. play off each other very well. Way better than the first season. Uh, the first season, the first few episodes kind of turned me off a little bit because I thought the acting was bad. But that's just the way they're supposed to be acting. <laughs> and yeah. it's this show doesn't take itself very seriously. And if you haven't seen it, it's about Drew Barrymore. She gets uh, infected and she turns into a uh, like a zombie with you know uh, uh, superpowers, and she's you know like stronger and has like a, a healthier sex appetite and everything. But she starts to decompose and body parts start falling off, and she needs to eat people to stay alive and blah blah blah. So you can see how this might be like a serious, could be a serious show, but they totally play it for laughs. It's not serious at all. Yeah. There's never a time you're like, oh my god, they're gonna get caught. It's you're waiting for them to get caught. You're waiting for these outcomes yeah. with happiness instead of you're chomping at your, on your fingernails. Right. It's a farce, for sure. Yes. Especially in the second season. Uh, so, like I said, they, they play off each other very well. Timothy Oliphant's hilarious. Which, I had no idea. I really didn't think he would be funny at all, and I was so wrong. Yeah, yeah. He's the best part of the show. He's my favorite part of the show. Oh, yeah, same here. Uh, I like him. I like Timson's Go, the movie Go. Oh, me too. I've been in love with him for years. <laughs> But not because he's funny. Oh, yeah, you're a big in the Scream, the Scream movies, like mm-hmm. Scream 2. I'm, you remember him from that. But I remember him from Go, too. Oh, yeah, he plays the... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's the, funny in that movie. Yeah. He is funny, but in a, like, I don't know, sort of terrifying bully type of way. Definitely not like this. No, funny. no, not yeah. at all, not at all. Uh, I like the the younger kid in that show too, like the nerdy dude who's the their daughter's friend. Yeah, uh, the character's name is Skyler, and the actor's name is Eric Bemis. Eric Bemis. He was uh, Russ in the reboot of Vacation that came uh, out a couple of years ago. Okay. And he was Howard Stacy in Amazing Spider-Man One and Two. I don't remember. Is that like Gwen's and brother or something? It must have been, right? Not the father, yeah. I would think. <laughs> well, no, obviously not. <laughs> uh, we got the waitress from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm hmm. Uh, she plays his mother. Yep, Mary Elizabeth Ellis. We got Nathan Fillion as a zombie head uh-huh. in this season. Before in the first season, he was just an asshole. Yeah, you kind of can't wait for him to die in the first season, but you really grow fond of him, much mm-hmm. like. Timothy Oliphant's character does when he's just a zombie head. <laughs> uh, Joel McHale makes a, a, a few appearances, a couple mm-hmm. episodes in there. Uh, it's always nice to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a pretty funny guy. I like Joel McHale. Yeah, I love Joel McHale. Yeah. Zachary Knighton, from those like very few of you who watched Happy Endings. Very few people. <laughs> he's I don't even remember his name in Happy Endings. The guy who gets left at the altar in the pilot. Was that it like guy. Mark or something like that? I don't remember. Brian? It could be nah, one of those names. I watched it for Alicia Cuthbert. Cuthbert yes. Cuthbert, She's what, what the one who leaves him at the altar. Yeah. I was excited to see him again. I like him. Aww. And Natalie Morales, uh, in Parks and Recreation, she's a recurring character who ends up marrying Aziz. Tom Haverford. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where I remember seeing her from. Yeah. yeah. They're all pretty good in this, in this, uh, this series, and they all play well off each other. It's gotten the third season. I think they even announced the third season right when the second season came out. So that's good, you know. Good. It's good. For, you know, I'm loving Netflix, man. They're just putting tons of shit out there. To see what... Just to, you know, 
to see what sticks and mm-hmm. to see like what other uh, are different channels just haven't picked up. Netflix is so great because you can show whatever you want. It can be R-rated. It can yeah. be X-rated, unrated, mm-hmm. PG, anything it wants. The restraints, there's no restraints. The same with uh, Amazon and Hulu. They're taking a little longer to get on this train, but they still have product coming out, and it's it's getting big. Yeah, know? foreign and, films, foreign TV. You're going to find all of that on Netflix. Because... I don't know, I don't watch as much TV now, but it was just such, it was saturated with fucking, uh, the, the reality shows. Yes. Who gives a fuck about these people? <laughs> Seriously, let's see a story, let's have an asshole write something and another asshole direct it and throw some more assholes in there to act in it, and people want to see that now. And I think, well, I'm pretty fucking sure this is the reason why that there's so much reality TV is it's so cheap. Yes, you give, of course. You give people five grand and say, hey, you want to be on this show? Hire some douchebag cameraman. And there you go. You got your reality show of some asshole working on a farm or hunting alligators or something. Or poor people competing for prize money. Yeah, it's fucking... It's, it's the bachelor. Over. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's over, man. <laughs> Just uh, now that all these uh, Hulu and Netflix and all these other channels are, are getting on board and they're putting up product... Some of it might not be great. Some of it is. Mm-hmm. And you got you get some shit, but that's with every channel. And when that shit doesn't work out, they're going to get something new and something else that grabs someone. So good for you, Netflix. And by just surpassing all of the NBC, ABC, CBS, mm-hmm. Fox, showing all the Bachelor season forty or, or how long that show's been on, <laughs> like. Ooh. Fucking How does cares? The Bachelor still exist in the Me Too movement? I know. How is it still happening? Okay, uh, anyway, we got off track. Yeah. We, there was, I think maybe the third <clears throat> to the last episode, we were laughing so hard it was hard to breathe yeah. from the Santa Clarita <laughs> diet. It's a C. Definitely, if you thought the first season was fine, watch the second season. It's really coming into its own. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and now for Jessalyn's Corner. It's a movie that you have seen and I have not mm-hmm. seen. Uh, this is probably, this is a movie that I wanted to see, but I wasn't necessarily ready or have ever been in the, the state of mind or mood to see it, which is The Killing of Sacred Deer. Yes. Now go ahead, shoot. Tell me what this movie's about. What I wanted to say was that I would watch it again with you because I really liked it, but I really liked it. And I don't think I ever want to watch it again. <laughs> um, the Killing of a Sacred Deer. It's uh, Stephen Murphy, a charismatic surgeon, is forced to make an unthinkable sacrifice after his life starts to fall apart when the behavior of a teenage boy he's taken under his wing turns sinister. Ooh. So I should have found the phonetic pronunciation of the director and writer. It's the same director and writer as the movie The Lobster, mm-hmm. um, which also got accolades at Cannes, much like this one did. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, something really Greek. (laughs) (laughs) Our Greek listeners, how do you say that? Email me. (laughs) Um, And it's starring Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman, who have fabulous chemistry together. They should do more, they've already done two movies, they should continue to do movies together. It was the other one, The Beguiled. The Beguiled, yeah. yeah. Which was also pretty good, but I think I like this one more. (laughs) It is really dark. I want to see The Lobster now, because the... The lobster kind of looked like a black comedy or mm-hmm. maybe just kind of a weird Michael Gondry type of, or Michelle mm-hmm. Gondry type of goofball movie. Not go- the, not goofball, but sort of funny. Uh, this was not funny <laughs> at all. 
It is really, really dark. Um, and when the movie opens, uh, Dr. Murphy leaves the hospital and he, uh, Colin Farrell, and he meets Martin in a diner. Martin is pa played by Barry Keoghan from Dunkirk, which I also haven't seen. All right, we got to check that out. Yeah, we have to check out Dunkirk. Um, it's unclear how they know each other at first, and you find out later on it's because Martin sought him out because his father died on Dr. Murphy's operating table. Uh. And uh, you find out even more that Martin wants to even the score. Um, I'm not going to spoil anymore. In fact, I think I'm going to write a blog about this movie because I've been thinking about it a lot. Oh, good. Nice. I think instead of spoiling my corner movies, instead I'm just going to direct you to my blog in case you don't want it spoiled, especially recent movies like The Killing of a Sacred Deer. But I think I definitely give it, I want to say A, but I'm going to say A- minus just because it's really fucked up. It made me really, <laughs> really sad. Aww. <laughs> but it's, interesting it's original i would definitely say see this movie and barry keoghan however you say it you're terrifying <laughs> we gotta watch dunkirk now <laughs> yeah you scared the shit out of me well done and colin farrell too you don't often see colin farrell scared you will in this movie kind of scared like he's scary or he just scared himself by someone who no barry like martin scares oh martin okay colin farrell's character yeah oh okay with good reason it's it's scary. This is uh -huh. a horror movie. I don't know how other people are classifying it. I think so. Horror movie. Okay, so um, you were just talking about the director and what is his style, or what did you pick up from his directing uh, style that sh I don't know makes this makes this movie stand out from other movies. Yeah, I mentioned Michel Gondry when I talked to you a little bit about it yesterday because it was a unique style and those of you who have seen like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind there's definitely a style that he has I think it's the color scheme it's the way that he films things um, it's the shots of the characters I don't really know how to explain it but it's mm -hmm. unique do you think the lobster is going to be kind of like this movie uh, from what I've seen when I, I just saw a few parts from when you were watching. Mm -hmm. Kind of seems like it's a bit of a, a tonal kind of movie, yes. and uh, a, not too much dialogue. Yeah, it's a uh, and a lot of times those kind of movies, which is actually the movie of the week, is kind of like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it, they it, there's just a, a a big divide with these kind of directors, uh, like. Nicholas Wending Riffin, who did Drive yeah. and everything, or uh, Abel Ferreira, or we got, uh, what's his, uh, 120 some hours, what's that guy? Uh, 127 hours. 127 hours. And I don't remember. Danny Boyle. Yes, like, Danny uh, Boyle. Danny I'm Boyle, sorry. like those kind of yes. directors, where it's not like a conventional directing, you know? And yeah. It's not like a, a, a talking quick cuts and explosions and, and whatever. There's definitely a style there. Yeah, this director has a vision and right. executes it. Okay, well, definitely I'll have to check this movie out. Uh, I won't read your blog, which is? Uh, Jessalyn Spoils It All at .blogspot.com Yeah. <laughs> I'll, and I'll post that on the My Bleeding Years page because I do want to write about this and I want to start writing about the movies from Jessalyn's Corner. Rather than spoil them here for you, in case you wanted to see them. You can just spoil them somewhere else. I'll spoil them somewhere else. So you can choose <laughs> to have them spoiled, rather than accidentally have them spoiled by listening to the podcast. Don't stop listening. No. Oh. Well, there's no... <laughs> is there any killing of deer in this movie? There are no deer. It's a metaphor. Okay. I wonder if there was a lobster in the movie, too. There's... Or... Yeah. 
think this guy's Yorgos Lanthimos is obsessed with animals. Well, the premise of the lobster is that you do turn into an animal if you don't find a mate by a certain time. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that that's the premise. I'm sure it's a metaphor, but that's something that literally happens to you in that movie. Unless you find a partner. Okay. Well, this one's for you. Remember that Friends episode with the lobster thing? You know, with of course. That's yeah. what I think of every time. Oh. <laughs> He's her lobster. Oh, jeez. Before I realized, where I grew up and realized Ross is awful. is the 1990 Abel Ferreira-directed film, King of New York. Uh, King of New York is about a drug pin who is released from prison and seeks to take total control of the criminal underworld in what he believes is an attempt to better his community. Uh, This movie stars Christopher Walken Mm -hmm. as Frank White, our King of New York, who he tries to be, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is... This role by Walken is very interesting, uh, considering his career and, and what it has really amounted to lately in probably the past 20-some years. Uh, he was kind of like a, just like a funny actor um, in the last, let's say, yeah, about the last 20 years. He would do movies like Mouse Hunt and uh, Kangaroo Jack, and he'd just be a silly, just a silly side character in films. Uh, he would get some bigger roles. Uh, maybe one of the more uh, serious roles is that uh, the Seven Psychopaths, where he plays kind of some of the straight man in that one, I would say. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not as silly as his roles before that film. Yeah. But you look back at his later, at his earlier work, uh, like The Deer Hunter and... Uh, the Dead Zone. The Dead Zone and everything. He's like a serious actor. Mm-hmm. I think this movie was his transition... Into kind of like the the sillier roles that he ended up getting from there on, and also like mob boss roles. Get out of my head, Larry. That's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah, you play silly mob boss roles, or mm-hmm. in Mo- that movie Mouse Hunt, he plays an exterminator and eats rat shit. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen Mouse Hunt? No. No. I don't, no. Now I don't have to. No, it's uh, actually I kind of like. It. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> he like eats the rat shit. He's like smart. Sure, he's funny. I'm sure he's funny in that ping pong movie that I will never see. We watched it. What are you talking about? I blocked it from my mind, and I never saw it. We saw it. Don't don't be (laughs) silly. Well, anyway, I think this is the 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 turning point where he is kind of he starts to become the the Christopher Walken of now in this film. Mm -hmm. He plays Frank White, a uh, a drug kingpin who's just gotten out of prison for what we find out he he was trafficking drugs. Mm -hmm. Uh, He gets out. And he ends up, um, some of the the 
drug kingpins that probably fucked him over in some way. He has them executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot their names. They're two like Latino guys, like right. the, the Latino drug lords. He takes care of those guys. And even if he just wants to eliminate his competition, right? Yeah. And this is right when he gets out of prison too. Yep. He starts whacking people, and he has his own crew of guys, which is like a mixture of of whites and blacks. This is um. A lot of the other mob bosses in this movie don't like him because he hangs out with, you know, different races. He has, like, a whole just big group of people who follow him because he's just, like, a cool guy, kind of, you know? He doesn't discriminate. Uh, One of those characters is Lawrence Fishburne. Larry. Larry Fishburne in this movie. This is kind of parallels with Christopher Walken, Mm -hmm. which is that a lot of roles before and leading up to this, he kind of played a, a... Kind of like a silly character who played uh, the cowboy from fucking Pee Wee's Playhouse. Pee Wee's Playhouse, yeah. Or he um, he, he did a lot of younger roles, like uh, Apocalypse Now. He was a young kid in that movie. He was like thirteen or fourteen when he, he filmed was that underage. Movie. Yeah, he lied yeah. about his age. Right, and this is right before he started taking all these serious serious roles, where he's a lot more reserved. You know, he's the higher up kind of guy, like. He was in that one movie, it takes place in Chicago, I think, in the 20s. He plays, like, Bumpy Johnson. I forgot the name of it. It's with Tim Roth. It's like a gangster movie. Uh, okay. <clears throat> actually, you know, the funny thing about Lawrence Fishburne is that I knew a guy who was a stand-in for him. And he kind of resembled Lawrence Fishburne. And he was, like, the same height and everything, so it was kind of cool. He was an actor. Huh. I worked with him on and off. and actually bowled with him a few times. Oh, wow. So it was kind of cool. <clears throat> well, yeah, and he's still goofy in this, but menacing. Menacing, too. very yeah. menacing. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, dude. I love, he's my favorite role in this movie. Yeah. He's just nuts. <laughs> still dangerous, for Still sure. dangerous, mm-hmm. right. Um, so you 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 see that uh, his guys start off and all the bad guys, and he meets up with them finally in like in the hotel room, the plaza, mm-hmm. which is owned by Trump, by the way. Which I read about. I read that, too, is that the, the he let the director... Um, film there as long as like his wife at the time got a picture of him because he loved uh, one of the other movies he did so he's like yeah you could film here just you know be nice to my wife <clears throat> way back when maybe back in 1989 so okay. way before I piece, mean, yeah, back piece when of he shit was Trump, innocuous. Yeah. Yeah. exactly yes <clears throat> uh, I look to see when Larry Fishburne became Lawrence Fishburne, and it looks like what's love got to do with him? First uh, times he was credited as Lawrence. Right, see where he's so. yeah, he's still a menacing guy in that well, movie too. Yeah, he's a pretty <laughs> bad dude. He plays Ike Turner. In that, so. <laughs> he's a little different. <laughs> so we get to meet some of his other guys with him. Uh, one of them is uh, you see Steve Buscemi. He's not really in this movie all that much, but you do see him in there. It's just one scene, or is he is he in another scene? He, I think he's in the background in, like, another yeah, scene. It's just okay. one scene. Um, what's his name from Breaking Bad is another one of his goons. Um, yeah, um, I'll find it. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Giancarlo Esposito, yeah. exactly. Um, he's from Do the Right Thing, The Usual, Usual Suspects. But, yeah, Breaking Bad, tons his, of TV. And which is, was finally his big breakout role. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Paul Calderon, who we would probably know as the bartender from Pulp Fiction. Although he's been in tons oh, of shit. Okay. Tons of TV, tons of oh movies. Oh my god, yeah. He's, he's like a New York actor, so he's in all the, the fucking uh, Law and Orders and everything. So. Yeah, Boardwalk Empire, Fear the Walking Dead, Bosch, he's in tons of TV. Yeah. Tons. All the other guys are kind of like background characters. You really don't get to know them all that much. Those are your main guys for the most part. And Thug Leader. Oh, 
Well, we haven't gotten to the third <laughs> okay, meeting yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> That's just the crew we've met now. <laughs> uh, the op- like one of the opening shots. Well, not opening, but right in the beginning is of Christopher Walken. He's gets to his hotel room and he's kind of just sitting, looking out at the window and looking at this vast city. He's in this great hotel, just looking out and just like saying, "This city is mine." I mm-hmm. love that scene. Uh, it's actually on the poster and box of the movie. Mm-hmm. And later on, while he's getting to the to the Plaza Hotel, right after getting out of jail, he sees that New York looks like shit. There's well, I mean, I think New York kind of looks like poop anyway because they put garbage on their streets. <laughs> I mean, nothing against New Yorkers or anything, but I mean, you have garbage on your streets. I mean, you don't have any alleys. How the fuck does this work? Now, to be fair, you have never been to New York. But I've, I've seen times. pictures. Okay, there are some streets where, and it might be because I grew up like it's a nostalgia thing with Sesame Street and you know uh, Oscar the Grouch, where it seems magical when there's trash cans out on the sidewalk. But yeah, yeah, there's, there's a someone walking around with a big yellow fucking bird. Yeah, trash cans on the yeah, sidewalk. A, some asshole living in a trash can in that show for Christ's sake. Come on. <laughs> Grouches everywhere. Right. So he's driving through and he sees how shitty New York has become since he's been in prison. So he automatically sees, like, I have to change this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he... And it was. I mean, I've seen plenty of documentaries that are about something else, but it's set in New York in the late 80s, early 90s. And New York was pretty effing scary. Yeah, it was. And they, that's when they started implementing, like, a stop and frisk. Mm-hmm. in New York and it kind of changed they want to say it changed a bit but after like well I don't exactly I can't be 100% on this but there's people saying it didn't work there's people that said it did work and said it was racist and everything but who knows I don't live in New York so probably like you just said. I also don't live in New York but I do think Stop and Frisk created a whole new subset of problems <laughs> right <laughs> uh, later on after this you end up meeting some of Frank's girls yeah. Uh, they're, you would think that maybe they're just like his girlfriends or like his eye candy or anything, but they're his bodyguards. Mm-hmm. You, you end up finding out because these, these women are pretty badass. They got his back. I think it's, he didn't want to be too imposing with having a couple big guys walking with him. He has two women who in the 90s were seen as other than eye candy. Were, mm-hmm. They didn't see him as a threat. Which, I mean, he's smart on that, and they were pretty yeah. badass. I like those women in there. <laughs> they were mm-hmm. awesome. They were just kind of just stayed quiet and had his back, and I thought that was really cool. And it just shows how cool this Frank White character is, even though he's a drug dealer and everything, and yeah. how that could be perceived as, like, a horrible. But at the same time, you know, he gave everyone an advantage. Um, he ends up going to... Like the this really nice restaurant meets up with his lawyers. One of them's, I guess, he fucked to you know, or his girlfriend. Yeah, it's, it's one of his, his girlfriend lawyers. seems like yeah. Um, it's and he kind of is like you know I want to be mayor. You know, just kind of mm-hmm. fucking around, but not fucking around. He's kind of serious. He's not. He is serious. <laughs> Everybody at the table laughs, and he's not kidding. Uh, one one line prior to that, uh, when he meets up with all his crew again, they're happy to see him. Is that which is Larry Fishburne? Where's Larry Fishburne yeah. and some of his other guys? And he's like, um, you know what? Uh, Larry Fishburne told him like, "Hey, we killed these guys." And he's like, "You know, I was in prison so long. I just, I don't, I don't have any feelings anymore. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't feel about this." There's, he says it a lot more eloquent, eloquently right. than I do, but you know. and that's apparent as the movie progresses. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they end up, you know, bullshitting with the lawyers at this dinner scene, and, and Frank goes to his uh, girlfriend, whose name... She's uh, Janet Julian, which I haven't really seen her in anything else, uh, but I guess she was in BJ and the Bear and Battlestar Galactica. did some more TV. Yeah, the old Battlestar, Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's like, hey, I, like, you know what I really want to do is I really want to ride the train with you. So, <laughs> so they end up riding the train. Making out. Making out and everything, <laughs> and he totally undoes her button and is grabbing her boob, which is... I, I, I've never really understood why that was in the movie, other than just possible gratuitous, gratuitous nudity. But you kind of see that same scene again with uh, Larry Fishburne uh, in the part. There's a party scene where he's dancing with a woman. He's also like grabbing her breast and looking at it the same way Christopher Walken does. Uh, I don't know. I guess I really haven't found a connection to that, other than maybe Frank was in the joint for so long that he finally gets to touch a boob again, and it's okay. just like, whoa, fuck, I haven't had one of these in a while, you know? <laughs> I think it was just an opportunity to show a boob, but I was about to be really, pr- like, impressed with a connection that you came up with. Nah, well, I'm still working on it, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> <You'll> <laughs> we'll so, a boob connection in I some way. I think just wanted to show a boob. And I also think that maybe what I was thinking was that Janet Julian was like, all right, but just one. Just one, guys. <laughs> you only need one. Yeah. So they start taking the train together and making out. It's a long scene of them just making out and staring at each other and everything. And they're they're telling us a whole story without saying any words, which mm-hmm. I loved about it. That's what I love about this movie is that the dialogue is somewhat to a minimum and you're told only what you need to tell and you see only what you need to see. Yeah, he just says, I miss you. That's miss, the only yeah. line between the two of them, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And then we are met by a couple of thugs on the train. Uh, three black gentlemen... Uh, approach Frank White and they pull a knife on him. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He shows him a gun. He's like, hey, man, don't fuck with me. And as they're backing up, he throws him a wad of cash. He's like, hey, meet me at the plaza. I got work for you guys. Mm-hmm. And one of those thugs is Thug Leader, and he is... Harold Perrineau. From... From 28 Weeks Later, Romeo and Juliet, Oz, Lost. Tons of shit. So. He's from Brooklyn, I discovered. Oh. So, yeah, he. This is only. this has only been his second film... The first was Shakedown with Sam Elliott and Peter Weller. Hmm. But he did a little bit of TV. He was on like the Cosby Show and that's a hell of a movie. But Sam Elliott and and, and uh, Peter Weller. Peter yeah. Weller was it called Mustache and the Sh- RoboCop? <laughs> Shakedown. The Shakedown. That was okay. his first movie, and he done a little <laughs> bit of TV. So yeah, I just. He's in a couple of scenes, so I started to get annoyed that you didn't give this character a name. He's billed as thug leader. Thug you don't thing. need one. You don't need you don't need yeah. all this extra shit. You don't fine. keep it minimal. You're getting the story by just fine. We don't Steve need Shemmy gets a name. We don't even hear in the movie though, do we? <laughs> hey, he's got like a shitty name too. What is it? Test tube. Test yeah, the name's fucking <laughs> test tube. That's like a, the fucking bad guy Spider-Man fights when he's like 14. <laughs> ah, test tube. <laughs> Fuck you, Spider-Man. Well, so yeah, Harold Perrineau, he's so young. Yeah. I IMDb'd it because I was a little nervous that I was going to shout out his name and be wrong and stupid and racist. Shh, racist. It was him. <laughs> <laughs> so after this scene, Frank goes to meet another one of the mob bosses who, who kind of rebuffed um, Giancarlo Esposito, mm-hmm. who was... No, that wasn't Gene. No, it was actually Paul Calderon's character uh, of Joey, who <clears throat> Frank sends to go talk to him because he wants to have a meeting with one of these other mob bosses. And this is like one of the Italian bosses, and he's like, fuck Frank. 
and go fuck himself, you know, and he pisses on Paul Calderon's shoes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so then a few scenes later, Frank Black comes to visit this guy and... Wait. Frank, I'm sorry, Frank Black. Frank Black's the lead singer of the uh, 80s fucking band. I can't think of their <laughs> name right now. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Frank White ends up meeting this mob boss and he, you know, is like, hey... I want in on all this shit. You sell a dime bag in Central Park. I want in. Mm-hmm. And as he's walking away after talking to this mob boss, the mob boss is like, you know, fuck you kind of thing. And Frank White just blasts him, goes to everyone else there to say, hey, you're, you're afraid of getting, you're, you're pissed off about getting ripped off by this asshole. Come join me. Mm-hmm. And of course, some of the guys do come and join him. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's go with this guy, man. Mm-hmm. And it's that one actor. I don't remember his name, but he's in tons and tons of shit. He's a Latino actor. This is right before he got, like, this tattoo on his neck, which was very predominant in all the movies he was in. Uh, one of them is Wishmaster 2, off the top of my head, I can think <laughs> of. He was in that scene in Wishmaster 2 where he's, like, uh, asked the witch- Wishmaster to get him out of prison. Or, no, he wa- he-, he asked the, oh. the Wishmaster to have his lawyer, like, suck his own ass or something, or kiss yeah. his own ass. So yeah, the Wishmaster is like, okay. <laughs> and then the guy puts his head up his own ass. I uh, never make wishes now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Do you wish? <laughs> <laughs> so he blasts that guy, gets some more some more recruits, and you end up seeing a lot of these guys throughout the movie joining him in the ranks. Like the Harold Perrineau, Perrineau uh, thug leader character. You see him later on at the Plaza Hotel drinking champagne and yeah. working with them. Mm-hmm. So like, he didn't give a fuck about your color. You just come in here and let's, let's make some money, you know? Well, and also, historically, gangs have worked for mob bosses. Oh, yeah. So, I'm sure that was reflective of life, too. But, yeah. Uh, then we get to um, we get to find out that Frank, you know, wants to help, like, these inner-city hospitals that are getting shut down that aren't in the rich neighborhoods. He wants to be able to provide for them, and he goes to all these different banquets and stuff, and mm-hmm. he wants to, you know have this thing move through and funnel, like, drug money through it. But, yeah. you know, really, you know, thinking about it, he just wants to kind of... At the same time, it's a good way to funnel and, and, and uh, whatchamacallit, money. What do you do it when you... You got money and you want to, you know, get it off the books. Laundering. Yeah, he wants to launder Right, laundering. Right. But those make the best villains because he also sincerely believes he's right. doing something good for the right. city. Yeah. Then this movie kind of takes a turn a little bit. Uh, and then you're interested, I mean, you're introduced to the law enforcement side of this movie, which is you get the characters of uh, Wesley Snipes. Mm-hmm. You get uh, David Caruso. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get this uh, this one guy, I think his name is Jimmy Lorenz or something like that. He, uh, you meet them all like at this wedding, right? Right. Um and one of the guys, the guy who's getting married is another New York actor, which you gotta love about um, New York and all these different big cities and how they have unions and everything. So you get to see some of these same actors over and over and over mm-hmm. again. James Lorenz, I believe his name is, was, uh, his first role was in Street Trash, where <laughs> he played the door guy in the movie. And he's okay. a pretty funny role in that movie. <laughs> it's just funny to see him playing a cop now. And he's done some other, you know, these small bullshit roles. I think one was in the Jerky Boys which I saw that movie a very, very long time ago, and it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to meet all these cops and everything, and you get to kind of their side of the story where they lament how Frank White is, 
you know, ruining the city. He's he, we're not able to arrest him. He gets out ten minutes later. His lawyer takes care of everything. So they're kind of upset about this. Yeah, he murders someone, and the cops have that guy in his trunk. Trunk, right? But there are technically no witnesses because right. no one who saw it will give him up. Right, exactly. Yeah. And who was wrong in there? The cops throwing a dead body in her trunk, right. or frankly, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like come on, they're not. <laughs> They're not the cleanest of cops, okay? Yeah. We're, we're gonna get You're both there. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then after that, we get to know the cops a little bit. We meet Larry Wong, who is the one of the Chinese uh, drug dealers, and Frank wants to, you know, get into business with him, and then Larry Wong kind of is like, fuck you to him, too. So they end up blasting all Larry Wong stuff, uh, people, and steal all his drugs. Mm-hmm. You know? They're... Once again, the, the the character who played Larry Wong, he, the he's like, hey, I, it's you're crazy, you know. He's just one of the, another one of these guys who's calling Frank White crazy, and that's just something you don't say to Frank White because he's gonna mess you up one way or the other. He will. Yeah, sure, he's crazy and everything, mm-hmm. but he's gonna get shit done in his way. Yeah. Uh, which leads to my, one of my favorite scenes of the movie was when um, Lawrence Fishburne and his partner Blood. That's the name of the character in Blood. You don't really get to see too much of him or get too much of a backstory on Blood. <laughs> but it, him, he's driving the car and he waits outside and Lawrence Fishburne playing Jimmy goes and orders a bunch of chicken in this restaurant and he totally harasses the guys working there. And then stiffs him. Wants to, the to, to stiff yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> Ask for root beer and stuff. <laughs> um, you know, he ends up being really nice to these children who are trying to play video games. The guy yells at him. He's like, hey, you don't got any money. You don't play the video games. And he ends up giving money to, like, these kids and their grandmother or whomever that is. He's like, here, take some money and everything. Mm-hmm. Trying to be nice to people. The cops bust in, they arrest him for, like, the murder of, of all those drug dealers, just trying to get closer to Frank. But, of course, you know, they get out, like, ten minutes later. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you get to see the back and forth between Jimmy and the Wesley Snipes character, which is, uh, you have a black cop and you have a black gangster, which is, um, what's the difference? Kind of like um, what Jack Nicholson says in The Departed, you know, uh... What's the difference between a, a gangster and looking down the barrel of a gun? What's the difference, you know? Right. And there's, um, I like that kind of, um, like, each one is saying how they're kind of, uh, like, uh, not good for their, their community or not good for their race. One's a, a cop beating black people, another is a, a black man selling drugs or being a criminal. So there's... Right. Like, kind of this, uh, I don't know what the word is, I'm not as smart as you, but... Juxtaposition. Yes, and there Jimmy, we go. <laughs> Jimmy kind of looks at the Wesley Snipes character, Thomas Flanagan, as being... I didn't realize his last yeah, name I know. was Flanagan. <laughs> okay. Um, as a traitor, kind of, yeah. to his race. He's very disrespectful to him because he's a black cop, yeah. So, yeah, they get out of jail, and then there's a scene after that where the cops are like, hey, you know... Um, we have to take care of Frank. We the law's not working. He's becoming a superstar. He's becoming a, a like a character like John Gotti was in New York. So that's why I think it's kind of semi based on John Gotti a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they want to make a plan to where they uh, take him out. They want to hire people to take out Frank White and all of his people. And one of the higher up, the sergeant, uh, who was played by Victor Argo. Who, 
Uh, he was in movies like Bad Lieutenant and True Romance, just small parts. He and played a gangster TV in True Romance. And some Law and Order, yeah. Right, yeah, he's mm-hmm. like one of those New York character actors. Yeah. Um, he's like, you know, that's not a good idea, and the only person I'm going to come after who does that is you, and David Caruso, like, he's like, let's say he's like the main cop out of all of them. Yeah. And he does a great job in this movie, mm-hmm. too. He's such a jerk-off, and I love it. I love his character in this movie. But you understand his frustration. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can understand his frustration and everything, and he's... What he ends up doing is, uh, they end up doing, the cops, they uh, pretend to be drug dealers, and they go to one of Frank's places, acting like they want to buy drugs from him, then they just totally start blasting up the joint, mm-hmm. end up killing up most of his crew, uh, including Jimmy, which, Jimmy. yeah, Jimmy gets whacked by um, uh, the David Caruso character, mm-hmm. Dennis, Dennis Gilly, I believe his name is. Because Jimmy kills uh, Thomas Flanagan. Right, yeah. Wesley Snipes' character, mm-hmm. he blasts him a few times. It's a, it's a pretty good shootout just un- in the underpass there, you know, they're yelling insults at each other and everything, and Caruso just blasts Jimmy and then... I guess just kind of takes off after that, and we get to the funeral scene where they're burying um, the guy who got married, the uh, James Lorenz, the guy from Street Trash. He that's the guy who got married. He also got killed in this this uh, uh, bloodbath, I would say. <laughs> him and another cop, him and uh, and uh, Tommy Flanagan are being buried, and Caruso just can't handle it. He's like, "Fuck this!" You know, he runs to his car and starts freaking out because he mm-hmm. ended up getting his friends killed, and Frank White's still alive. And then all of a sudden, a car limousine pulls up next to him at this funeral and is like, Hey, you! (laughs) Hey, you! (laughs) And he looks and Frank White just puts a a double barrel out and blasts him in his car and then... You just see blood splatter splatter everywhere. everywhere. And and you know, Frank White's got some fucking balls. To do this at like a, 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 a... a wake, a funeral for a cop where there's oh, tons of cops. cops. But then he gets away. He gets away. Yeah, the cops are really bad at their jobs. <laughs> and then this takes us to a scene where Frank is in like this dilapidated building. He has the Paul Calderon character, Joey, in there. We find out that Joey ratted him out to the yeah. cops and they were going to pay him a lot of money. And Frank's just like, fuck it, kill him. And we get to this scene where Frank's leaving this dilapidated building and he looks outside and he sees the same skyline that he saw in the beginning of the film where he was in the Plaza Hotel and now he's in this shitty part of town in this shitty apartment building looking at the same skyline that he did in the beginning, which is, I don't know, I guess kind of saying, you know, I mean, how can you do any better in a way? You know, mm-hmm. I, I, what do you think about that scene? Um, I think I agree with you, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like that, just, I just like how this movie is just not full of dialogue and just lets yeah. you kind of soak everything in and, mm-hmm. and let the person's, person's actions be the dialogue for you. Okay. Right. I do think I said, I wish it had gone to more of a kingpin place from Daredevil, because I do, I just felt like that kingpin really thought... He was helping, really thought that he mm-hmm. was doing good for a city that he loved. And I didn't totally get that from Christopher Walken. I feel like I read more into it than what they gave us. Until mm-hmm. you get back to the that uh, detective's house where he's waiting for him. Where, yeah, well, that's, yeah. yeah, this big... We'll get there, yeah. This big, then kind of right after that, he goes and meets the Victor Argo character who's coming home to his apartment. And Christopher Walken's waiting for him. He's pretty much like, you know what? You know, you guys keep fucking with me. You keep trying to, you know investigate me into all these murders of these mob bosses so 
if you guys, I'm going to put a, a a quarter of a million dollar hit on anyone who who is investigating me and yeah. see how you guys like how it feels to constantly be looking behind you all the time. But he also essentially says, and maybe he actually says this, I kill bad people. Yeah, he's, he like, really he's thinks, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, he says I only kill people who deserve it. Right. And mm-hmm. he did. He was saying, like, the, the two Latino uh, bosses he killed were pimping out uh, 12-year-olds for prostitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he says that he doesn't sink that low to make money. Right, That's yeah. not what he wants to do. Yeah. He's talking about how Larry Wong was, uh, the Chinese guy, was charging immigrants insane amount of money to live in these cramped houses, you know, mm-hmm. and just not even giving his own people, you know, rights at all or anything and mm-hmm. putting them in shitty apartments and all these other guys are just saying this city went to shit while I was in jail and I mean you can't blame all the drugs on me because I was in jail like right. I didn't do any of this mm-hmm. I'm actually trying to clean this up a bit you kind of got the wrong guy and now by that like you're fucking with me it's over guys and mm-hmm. he ends up uh, uh, handcuffing the the um, the detective, detective sergeant, yeah, sergeant detective yeah. in the uh, in his own apartment, and he goes and goes to take a train ride again, and but the cop gets out and boards the same train. They have a shootout, and they both eventually die. Well, Victor Argo dies on the train, and we see Christopher Walken get off on the train, but he actually gotten shot. He goes and sits into a cab and just kind of looks out the window, waiting for the cops to come get him until his body just goes limp. And yeah, you. That's it. He doesn't reveal that he's been shot until he's right. in the cab. Right, right. right. You I don't like, get to I don't see. I remember it. seeing that. Yeah. No, no. You see him mm-hmm. just exit the train. He's kind of covered up with his trench coat. Just walks the streets for a little while. Gets into a cab. He's like, "Hey, just drive." And you find out he's been shot and he's dying. And the cops are on the way. And, and that's just how the movie ends. You don't get to see exactly what happens, which I love that because he may, maybe he's dead, maybe he's not. Mm-hmm. But the cops are closing in. It doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. And the <laughs> so, taxi driver has already gotten out and pointed to him. Yeah, that dude. So he's turning him in, yeah. <laughs> Who I feel like that taxi driver could easily be classified as a hunk. Was by, he? he had, by hunk standards. He kind of looked like a mixture of Rob Bottin and Peter Jackson. <laughs> and maybe, uh, what's what's uh, what's that ogre from uh, uh, Revenge of the Nerds? See, I don't know. I Go back and look at, like, Playgirls from 1987. Like, yeah, it's like it some like mustache dude. He's a hunk, yeah. <laughs> partial mullet, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have 31 kills in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, five breasts. <clears throat> Because we only got to see one that one time. Right. Yeah. I guess I thought we only got to see one another time at the party. No, there was two. Okay. There was two where Lawrence Fishburne was feeling up on the girl. Then there was the one girl dancing on the bar. Ah, uh, yeah. To okay. which you replied. Five. She was dancing, like, really, like, you know, really into dancing. Like, really going at it. And her breasts are bouncing really hard. Oh, we're like, yeah. You're like, ow. Right? Like, I just started holding my breast. Like, oh, that looks so painful. She has got to be coked out of her mind doing that. Um, speaking of dancing, I also wanted to say, every time Christopher Walken dances, dances, it cheers me up. And he does, he dances me, in this movie. I feel like he could bring us all world peace if he would just dance. <laughs> and that's what I think people <laughs> found out about Christopher Walken, he's not he's really a dancer, that scary yeah. guy, you put him in the right situation, he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So. But, I mean, he dances a few times in this movie, and that doesn't make him any less menacing at all. No, yeah. no, no, not at all. He's just happy he got out of prison, happy some drug dealers are dead. And right. He even does the, the hip thing where you pretend your hips are attached to a string, string, like Conan <laughs> O'Brien does, only he does it way better than yeah. Conan O'Brien yeah. does. It's great. <laughs> Love you. 
Uh, do you, when do you remember first seeing this movie? I definitely first saw it with you, and I was probably in my 20s. Because mm-hmm. I didn't, I liked it a little bit less this time around. I do feel like I've seen better crime movies uh-huh. since then. But I still really like it. It's okay. still a good movie. You get but a yeah. grade on that one? I'm going to give it a B. B? B? Yeah. You? I give it an A. Because I like how it's not like other gangster movies, you know, and other mob movies where it's really flashy and shit. And this yeah. one really isn't, you know. It's, it doesn't really glorify either side. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. I like this director, Abel Ferreira. He, I haven't seen too much of his work, actually. He's, he's done tons of movies. Uh, a lot of low-budget stuff. I really started to watch him right around when this movie was released, uh, when this other movie called The Funeral, um, uh-huh. Bad Lieutenant It's another one. Bad Lieutenant. I would like to do that movie someday. The and Harvey Keitel one. Right, yeah. right, right. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's a really good one, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of like those those really low dialogue, kind of visual, tonal movies that mm-hmm. he does. But you look back at his career before that, and he did a movie called Driller Killer. <laughs> where, yeah, I saw those. Where yeah. he, he stars and directs in that movie, mm-hmm. and just how just how different he has become throughout his years. Because now he's just doing kind of like Italian movies and documentaries. So his career has definitely kind of changed in a way. Mm-hmm. But I definitely do want to check out more of his movies. Totally fallen behind, I guess. Did you say what your favorite part of this movie was? Oh uh, yeah, it's the part where uh, Lawrence Fishburne's oh. ordering the chicken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you did say that. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I like that part, and I like the part where where Jimmy and and Wesley Snipes go off on each other underneath like the the bridge and everything. I really love that. That's part. a good scene. Yeah, I really love the the gunfight scene on the bridge where. Um, where Frank is driving Jimmy around and they're shooting at the cops and two different cops and two different cop cars and they're just blasting at each other and just how that's filmed and framed and everything I thought was great. So those are like like two favorite, but this whole movie has a lot of great parts in it. Mm-hmm. I totally have the hots for his lawyer. I know she's kind of just plain looking, but I don't know. It's I don't think about so. Her. I think kinda... she's beautiful, yeah. But anyway, I give it an A. Okay. Uh, this is a movie I think any... Anyone who likes mobster movies or, or Christopher Walken movies, mm-hmm. you should definitely check this one out. This is an A for me. You didn't come up with any funny kills? Uh, They're not really that yeah, funny. Yeah, phone I guess. booth, bloodbath. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a good one. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's about it, I can think of. All the other ones are just gunfights and stuff. Mm-hmm. So That's true. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Tampon, I couldn't come up with a good tampon. When when Jimmy when the whole beginning scene where they're trying to buy drugs off the the Latino drug guy I forgot his name I think that's my favorite part he's, where he thinks he's opening so uh, Larry Jimmy Larry Fishburne is what you think he's doing a drug deal like a big drug deal where he's going to give him a ton of money test tube Steve Buscemi is testing it to make sure that it's good coke and then when they're almost done with the drug deal they hand him this briefcase of what you think is money and you open it up and it's tampons. And the drug dealer's like, what the hell is this? And what does he say? Like, it's for the bullet holes. For the bullet holes. And they kill everyone. <laughs> and then and blood comes in. He's like, room service, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> that might, I was yeah. very surprised. That might be my favorite and that's a, part. That's a great scene. It kind of, it, like the beginning you get to see Frank leave prison and everything. And then you see this kind of chaos just happen. And it gives you the tone of what this movie's about. You're going to get slower parts. And you get parts where it's just 
Yeah. Crazy, so. Because at that point, you don't know that Jimmy and Frank know each no, other at all. You don't know what he's doing. And it turns out Jimmy's trying to been cl- trying to clean everything up for him. Right, So yeah. that Frank can take over when he gets out of prison. Yeah. And you get to see that they're really good friends and that mm-hmm. they're, they're homies, man. And Frank even asks Jimmy, he's like, how come you never saw me in jail when I was there? And he's like, who wants to see you in a cage, man? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, yeah, good point, good point. <laughs> yeah. And then almost right before that, he does the he hip does the... dance. <laughs> oh, my Love favorite. that hip dance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that about does it for us this week. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be, we'll be back next week. I haven't picked the movie yet, but it'll be good, I hope. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I have a suggestion that you've mentioned that we still haven't watched, but we'll talk about it. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, take it easy, guys. Thanks for listening. I